Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In chapter 14, we are about a year and a half into the earthly ministry of Jesus. And you'll notice right here at chapter 14, give me your attention, you'll notice right here at chapter 14, there is resistance, there is rebellion, and there is rejection that seems to be mounting. And the resistance, the rebellion, the rejection is going to lead Jesus to, you guessed it, to the crucifixion. To the cross, but right about here in chapter 14, you'll notice things begin to uh, heat up and the rejection is mounting. Now, earlier in chapter 14, if you were with us last week, we talked a bit about the religious leaders at this point, they are growing hostile toward Jesus. The politicians are getting nervous. Herod is afraid of Jesus, and he's already had him beheaded. Had, oh, pardon me, had John the Baptist, Herod, had John the Baptist beheaded. When the disciples heard about it, there in chapter 14, verse 12, when the disciples heard about it, I, this one little phrase, look at it in chapter 14, verse 12. When they heard about it, notice the latter part, they went and they told Jesus. I love that. Here we have the disciples. They heard about the beheading of John, and they were grieved. They were bereaved. They were discouraged. They were depressed and distraught in their spirit. And what did they do? They went and they told Jesus. You discouraged? Are you depressed? Are you grieved, bereaved? Then do what they did. They went and told Jesus. And that's what we should always do. Don't tell your friends. You know, it doesn't even say they went and told the pastor. It's nice to read the Bible and see what it doesn't say. You can learn a lot. It doesn't say they went and told the pastor, although telling the pastor might be is probably a good thing. But they went and told Jesus. And that's the most important thing. I love this little poem. I read it last week. I thought it was so good. I'm going to read it again. I love it. It's a poem by Cornelia Booth. She is the daughter-in-law of William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. And she wrote these words. She said, bring him thy sorrow. Bring him thy tears. Bring him thy heartaches, bring him thy fears. Oh, tell him plainly 
how thou doest feel, ever believing that Jesus can heal. Isn't that true? He can heal. So you bring him your troubles. You bring him your sorrows because he is the one who can heal. He is the one who cares. Jesus cares. You know, so often, I don't know about you, but when you have problems and you have troubles and you have sorrows and you're distressed and depressed, I don't know anybody that calls someone that doesn't care. Do you? You don't call people that don't care. You call them, hey, how you doing? I'm distressed, grieved, bereaved, distressed, distraught, distraught. And they go, I don't care. Click. Nobody does that. Why? Because you call someone when you're hurting. You call someone when you're, when you're suffering who cares. And that's why you should tell Jesus, because he cares. This morning, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about, if you're taking notes, three aspects of Christ's care found here in Matthew chapter 14, between verses 13 and 21. We're going to talk about three aspects of Christ's care, particularly around the story of the feeding of the 5,000. If you're taking notes, we're going to talk about, number one, Jesus' compassionate care. You're going to find that in verses 14 through 15, Jesus' compassionate care. And then number two, we're going to talk about Jesus' cooperative care. What's that, Rodney? We'll talk about it in just a minute in verses 16 through 19. And then we're going to talk about Jesus' complete care, his complete care. And we'll talk about that in verses 20 through 21. His compassionate care, his cooperative care, his complete care, Matthew chapter 14, saints, beginning in verse 13. If you're there, say amen. amen. When Jesus heard it in verse 13, he departed from there by boat to a desert place or a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him, note this, on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. Circle that, highlight it, remember it. He was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, in verse 15, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, Jesus, and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. Notice this. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. And then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. They're in a deserted place. And they have grass there. It's like a desert place. And doesn't that remind you of Psalm 23? He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Just comfort. Jesus gives them a seat and puts down some carpet. And so he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave three things the loaves to his disciples, 
And the disciples gave to the multitudes. There's ministry. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now stop right there. Give me your attention, if you will. We have the story before us of Jesus who feeds the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. This is probably the best known miracle in the Bible. Why? Because, listen, it's the only miracle that is recorded in all of the Gospels. The only miracle of all the miracles that Jesus did, this is the only one that's recorded in all four Gospels. It is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful kid's story. It's actually the story of a little boy who gave Jesus his lunch. I almost titled my sermon, The Boy Who Gave Jesus His Lunch. Give Jesus your lunch. That's the story. And it's a simple story. And it is a beautiful story that's pregnant with meaning. And it's known as the feeding of the 5,000, as I said. But listen, it could be as many as, it should be known as the feeding of the at least 10,000, maybe even 15,000. Maybe even 20,000 people. Did you notice in verse 21, the Bible says that there were about 5,000 what, saints? Men, not including the women and children. Now, keep in mind, the Jewish people, they really took serious the command that says, be fruitful and multiply. I mean, some, it was considered a blessing in the Jewish culture to have many kids as many as your loins could produce. And so it's very possible there were not only 5,000, certainly 5,000 men, but maybe 10,000, 15,000, maybe even 20,000 people that Jesus fed with two fish and five loaves of bread. Now here's the setting of the story. Here's the setting. When Jesus heard of the beheading of John, notice in verse 13, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Why? Two reasons. Number one, Jesus had just got the news that a family member had been murdered. Remember? Jesus and John were cousins. You knew that. And so Jesus had just got the word that his cousin had been murdered by Herod. And Jesus and John were close, not only as family members, but also as ministry partners. Because it was Jesus who said of John that he is the greatest of all prophets. Greater than Ezekiel, greater than Daniel, greater than Isaiah, greater than all of the other prophets. Jesus said, John is the greatest. So they were close family members, but they were also close in ministry. And so... When you hear of the news of a family member who's been murdered, what happens in your soul? What happens in your spirit? You grieve and you're bereaved. And Jesus, like any other person, just wanted to be alone. That was one reason why he got away to a deserted place. And secondly, I think it's really practical. Jesus had been preaching. He was exhausted. Exhausted. He had been preaching and teaching and doing miracles. 
I mean, doing miracles is an exhausting thing. Have you done some lately? I mean, it just kind of wears you out. I don't know. It happens to me all the time. I mean, walk on water. I mean, it's, it's exhausting. And so Jesus is exhausted. He's tired. He's been dealing with the death of John. People are rebelling against him. Think about this. They walked everywhere they went. Jesus didn't travel in an entourage in a bulletproof limo with, you know, all of his, you know, servants get out. Okay, stand back, stand back. Jesus here. Jesus in the house. Okay, everybody back. Okay, Roger Dodger, 10-4. Jesus moving to the left. To the left, Jesus is moving. That's what we see today. Oh, come on. Folks, you know, I, I've seen it on TV. Don't tell nobody I told you. You see, what is up with the guy standing up at the pulpit to guard the pastor while the pastor's preaching? Guard me from what? Oh, yes, psycho in the building, psycho in the building. Yes, psycho in the building, up front, up front. Okay, look, we're all psychos, okay? You're a psycho. I know that already. I invited you here. I mean, you're all psychos. So am I. We're all psychos for Jesus, I guess. (laughs) What's up with that? Uh, so Jesus, he just walked it and ride around and all of this, and it's exhausting. And the ministry is exhausting. And then, of course, he's exhausted because he had to deal with the disciples. And they were an interesting bunch. You read your Bible lately? They're pretty interesting. And so Jesus is tired. He's exhausted, and he needs a break. Yes, he is 100% man, but he's also 100% God. And because he's 100% man, he gets tired like any other man, so he needed a mini vacation, which tells us and tells me, hey, this is a message to me. Rodney, take a break. Hey, you work 100 hours a week? Take a break. You can't just keep going like that. You got to stop sometime. If Jesus took the time to get away or he wanted to get away, then most certainly we should also take the time to get away and take a break and take a mini vacation. Because if you don't, it'll wear on you. Spiritually, it does wear on you. There was a man, a Baptist preacher by the name of Vance Havner, and he said it like this. He said, if you don't come apart and rest, you may just come apart, period. And I think that's true. There are times when you need a little R&R. But notice when the multitudes heard it. Did you notice? Look at verse 13 again. They followed him on foot. Get the scene. Jesus and his disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee. Now, understand, if you've been around for seeing my pictures in Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is kind of circular, kind of oval shaped like this. You can walk around the Sea of Galilee on foot. On the shore. And so Jesus and his disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee by boat to get away from the people for a time of rest. And the people are hurrying and the people are following and the people are running along the edge of the shore and they're keeping their eye on the boat. It's almost like, okay, there's the boat and the people are going over here. Okay, there he is, there he is, there he is, get on the other side. And of course, they're calling people and telling people and people are coming out. And so Jesus can see that the people are following him. Now, mind you, he needs some peace and he needs some quiet. He needs a mini vacation. But he can see the people are going around to the other side, the other side that he's going to. And if it had been me in that boat, I would have told the disciples, okay, go back over there. You know, row back on, you know. <laughs> the people go back over. Oh, he's going this way here. Okay, disciples, go back over there. You know you play that game, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Jesus didn't do that. The people were trying to get to him, 
He's tired. He needs some peace. He needs some quiet. And yet he doesn't turn them away. Taking notes, number one, the compassionate care of Christ. Did you see it in verse 14 and 15? When Jesus got there, he saw the multitude and he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for the people. Now, as you read the story, remember I told you this is the only miracle that all four Gospels record. So if you want to get a full picture or view of this story, you've got to understand all four Gospels and bring them into the study. We find out from Matthew, pardon me, Mark chapter 6, verse 34, the Bible says that Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd, and he was moved with compassion. This word compassion is the Greek word, here it is, splakaneia. Doesn't that sound like something you cough up? Splakaneia. It sounds like, it's gross, but it's true. It sounds like something you kind of bring up. And it actually means, I'm just teaching you the Greek language, all right? Just trying to help you. And so this Greek word, splakaneia, it literally means to be moved in one's bowels. This is going downhill, I realize it, but I'm just teaching you the word, my brother. It means to be moved in one's bowels. Now, why? Because the Greeks, they believe that the bowels or the intestine area was the seat of the emotion. And you know, many people still feel that way today, as a matter of fact. It's a very interesting thing. Have you ever seen anybody I have as a pastor when they're in extreme, extreme grief and pain and bereavement and, and suffering and sorrow? What happens? What do they do? You ever seen anybody? They grab themselves here and just kind of bend over and just guttural weeping and emotion coming from this area. The Greeks believe that that it was in the intestine area that was housed or was the seat of emotion. And so this actually could read that Jesus was moved in his intestines, which gives a whole nother picture there. But it could read that way. When Jesus saw the people, he was moved with compassion. I wonder what you see when you see a bunch of people. You know, when a businessman, I was telling a friend yesterday, I said, when a businessman sees some people, he thinks, man, I can make a buck. When a preacher sees some people, he thinks, man, we ought to take up an offering. (laughs) When Jesus sees people, sees a multitude, he says, man, they look like sheep without a shepherd. And the interesting thing about that is that Jesus didn't, the people didn't know that they needed a shepherd. They didn't know. They weren't going on the other side thinking, oh, we need a shepherd. We better get over there with Jesus because we need a shepherd. They wasn't thinking that. As a matter of fact, the other gospels tell us that they were following Jesus because of the miracles that he did. They were following Jesus because of the miracles that he did. And yet our Lord still looks at those very same people who are following him for the wrong reason. And he had compassion on them. And he said, man, they need a shepherd. Jesus sees people, they don't even realize it. And yet he's showing love and mercy and compassion, even when we don't realize it. 
You understand that saying, man. If you, that's so very true of our Lord. You see, he wasn't moved. He was moved with compassion. He wasn't moved with complaining. See, we see the multitudes. We are, oh, that's just too many people. I remember we were over in the other church, over at the gas station church. And if you've been around, we called the gas station church because it was over on Old Apex and High House Road. And we called the gas station because it was adjacent to a gas station. And, uh, and uh, I remember that church was half, the whole building was half the size of this room. The whole building, including the bathrooms and the closet space. It was like 3,000 square feet, the whole building. And we had three classrooms. And man, was the Lord blessing us. God's always blessed this church. Carla, God has always blessed this church. Been wonderful, Wincy. Wonderful. And I look back and uh, <laughs> I remember it was packed. There was always a lot of people there, just always a lot of people. And uh, kids, and it's so small. And, uh, you know, you, you talk about being moved by the multitudes, you know what I mean? There was just no place to put anybody. And, and the classrooms were just overrun. And I, I'll never forget this one day. I, I stuck my head in one of the classrooms, and this teacher was in the, the room was overrun with children. And I stuck my head in, and the teacher was plastered up against the wall. There was nowhere to walk. She was sweating bullets. And I stick my head in there and go, hey, praise the Lord. And she goes, Praise the Lord again. Look at all these kids, you know. There's no place where we need more classroom space. I was like, thank you so much. God bless you and shut the door. <laughs> what do we see? We see the multitudes, the people. Jesus was moved with compassion, not complaining. He didn't say, you know, listen, you guys, this is my day off. This is my time off. This is my golf day. Come back tomorrow. Can't you see I'm grieving here? He didn't say that. He was moved with compassion. And then notice in verse 15, the contrast here. You see it? Jesus saw the hurting people. The disciples saw problem people. Jesus saw ministry. The disciples saw a menace. Did you see that? Jesus said, they, they said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, basically in verse 15, they said, Jesus, it's getting late. Get rid of them. If they want to eat, let them go home and eat. That's what they said. That's what some of us say to our friends, don't we? You want to eat? Go home and eat. <laughs> they said, Jesus, it's get I get the impression when I read this that they're informing Jesus. Like he doesn't really know. Isn't that, you know, they like, Jesus, 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 get a pad and get a pen. You need to write this down, okay? All right, Jesus, and, and as if he really is going to get a pad and a pen. And he gets his pad and he gets his pen and they go, okay, Jesus, number one, there's a lot of people. Write that down. Number one. Number two, we have, we, we, we're, in the, we're in the desert. Number three, it's late in the evening and the food line is closed. Number four, the people need food. Number five, Jesus, are you writing it down? Are you there? We, number five, we have no food. And number six, Jesus, we have no money. That's what I get the impression, that they're informing him as to what's going on as if he doesn't know. And the disciples are doing what we do. We oftentimes find ourselves informing Jesus of things that he really already knows. 
You don't have to inform him. You know, I'm amazed at how some people pray. I'm amazed at how some people pray. You know, God, Lord, would you please save my friend? He lives at 1602 Mockingbird Lane. He has brown hair and blue eyes, medium build. He drives a car that looks like, you know, informing him. We don't need to inform him. He already knows. They don't need to inform him. Jesus knows exactly what's going on. And when the multitudes come, you know, it's almost like here. Every year, never fails. Never fails. Every year we have VBS. We always have more kids than we plan for. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.